Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Welcome to another edition of Around the Hearn this week. Happy Mother's Day to you, yours, and all the mothers out there. We've got a special mother coming up here in just a bit. Mindy Dreher wrote a book called The King and also a book about her mom. And we'll talk about both of those coming up in just a little bit. And the new head coach of the Ada Bulldogs boys program and Vince Halliday as well after resigning from Lima Senior. Lima Senior got a new head coach. Lakeisha White-Sigmund ends up replacing Vince Halliday as the head coach at Lima Senior. One of three different coaching news on the uh, current week. Rushi's former boys head coach, Paul Bremigan, 35 years and uh, 471 win total. He'll now coach the girls program at Rushi. Comes back out of retirement, further proving that old coaches, older coaches, uh, love coaching and getting back to uh, teaching. Bakkins replaced their outgoing head coach with Phil Groves. He'll be the uh, new head coach hired, of course, pending board approval in a couple of days. At Botkins, they'll take over a program coming off of a state championship. You can hear from their head coach, or their previous head coach, I should say, and Sean Powell, who's now at Bath, a handful of episodes ago after the state title and the victory down in Dayton. OHSA announced the next three years. That's where the uh, state tournament's going to be for boys and girls basketball down at UD Arena. It's a terrific venue, by the way, if you didn't get to go. A lot of news coming from the track, but we'll start with Cross-country. Kristen Dunning from uh, Van Wert signed to run at Ohio Christian University this week. Congratulations to her. Track news now, and there's quite a bit of it. The Ada Invitational over the weekend had Carrie winning the uh, girls' meet. Spencerville finished second. Van Wert finished third. But it was Claire Hoback for the Bearcats who did quite a bit of damage, won the 100-meter dash, and was part of a team with Jillian and Lily Goki and Ariana McMichael that won the 400 relays. Van Wert sophomore Sailor Wise took one of the distance events in the 800 meters. Same event, Van Wert boys dominated. They finished first, Arlington second, Bluffton third. But it was USV senior Zach Britton. Won the 1600 meters, broke the uh, record for that invitational. And that a lot of Van Wert. Trey Laudick won the 200 meters, competed in both the 1600 and 3200 meter relay, and won that relay with Ethan Brown, Nate Phillips, and Connor Pratt. And it was her high school teammate in Tyson Jackson won the 110-meter hurdles for the Ada Invitational. I've said this a million times, but you're going to hear a lot about Alexa Fortman. At OG, goes up to the Galleon invite, breaks the 800-meter record. It's at least the fourth different record that she has broken this season, and it's not going to be the last. She's going to have a terrific career in at three sports at OG. Anna boys and girls swept the Covington Invitational on a Friday. The uh, track news here on the show. Um, baseball news. Sonora head coach Brett Renelay won the uh, 400th game of his career, beat Patrick Henry on a Saturday. Got to listen to my dude Keith Brown on the uh, Tenora Rams Sports Live Network. Call that game. It also came a day after uh, Tenora clinched their fourth straight GMC title. And then there's no hitters. And conference championships being decided in the last couple of days. How about Lipsick? The uh, get back-to-back no-hitters earlier in the week. Trey Schrader throws a five-inning no-hitter. Tyler Sickmiller says, I've got this. He threw one the previous night against Audeville in a league win. But it was the BBC 
that Lipsick shared a uh, part of the title with on their way out the door before they joined the Northwest Conference. Evan Hurston just signed to uh, play college baseball. He no-hit Columbus Grove on Wednesday in a 6 nothing win. And to show kind of how baseball is a weird thing, Grove then comes back the next day and beats Allen East, a team that had beaten Kaleida the night before. And I've talked to all three of those coaches, and they just say, you know, baseball's a funny game. It's not necessarily funny, ha-ha. Landon Price for Lincoln View had a no-hitter going into, I believe it was the sixth on Wednesday, gave up one hit in a win against Delphus Jefferson, but it was what he did with the swing and miss department. He struck out 20 to break a program record. Softball, the Shawnee girls beat Wapakoneta. First title for them since 2011. They've got to share it with Bath, though. And then the no-hitter brigade. There's a lot of things going on it. DeAndre Cowan, no-hit Eli and struck out 12 on Saturday. And as Jacob Robinson threw a no-hitter a couple days ago. Two and three days for the uh, Anna Rockets. But this might be the most interesting of the entire group of things that I found. Mincer's Hannah Oldridge's walked off a win against St. Mary's in the bottom of the 15th with a two-run home run. Earlier in the same game, her teammate Lexi Bishop tied the school record for home runs in a season with her ninth. And this is the the oddity. St. Mary's Carson McLaughlin threw 195 pitches, hit a grand slam, and lost that game when she gave up that home run in the 15th. That's getting it done on a lot of a lot of different ways. Riley Samples on Saturday walk off double for Parkway to knock off Lincoln View. It's the second straight night in which Lincoln View, and it was really, it was less than 24 hours. Lincoln View played at Coldwater on Friday night, lost on a walk-off, a uh, Miles Blasting game, a single to right field, with the bases loaded in the uh, seventh, and just a uh, terrific game late into the night there as well. OG boys switching to tennis, finished second at the WBL tennis tournament behind, who you would guess, Shawnee. Fairview Softball, 15 titles now. Their 15th GMC title in the last 31 seasons. But what stands out about it is the volleyball team, the girls' basketball team, and the softball team all won the GMC this year. The only other time that happened was back in 1990 and 1991. UNOH Baseball clinched the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference divisional title with a win on Saturday. They'll play Madonna in a best two out of three starting on Monday if Mother Nature holds off for the WHAC Finals. Ohio Northern University's Jacob Wenning, he went to Coldwater. Five singles, three doubles, and an eight-for-nine performance. Five runs scored, three RBI, and a 20-5 and a 7-2 win over Otterbein on Saturday. Also, Lincoln View's Chayton Overholt hit his first home run of the entire year in that same game. Big week for Northern. Paulding and Heidelberg graduate Alex Ariano now playing professionally. He's playing with Team Budapest in the Eurobasket Summer League. They played two different games late last night. And Versailles' Craig Stammen threw a perfect inning and a loss to the San Francisco Giants on Friday. He struck out the side. It's a lot of big things going on as we get ready for the boys' baseball draw coming up later on today. Softball draw. Last week, we're just a week away from the tournament and everything getting crazy on the run to Akron, Firestone Stadium, and Canal Park. 
for the girls and boys, respectively, and also the uh, state track meets. It's a busy, busy couple of weeks here in the month of May, going into the second week of June for the boys' state tournaments. I hope that you enjoyed. We'll try to keep up to uh, date with as much as humanly possible. When we come back, talk to the new head coach of the uh, Ada Bulldogs boys' basketball program in uh, Vince Halliday. Then after that, take a break. We'll talk to Mindy Dreher about the king. You're on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, are you ready? Ready for what, Eric? Brand new cars and trucks are rolling into Lee Kissel Chevy Buick GMC again. That's great, because we need pre-owned trades big time. Yep, Danny, have I mentioned lately how much respect I have for this country? Not in the last five minutes. Even the virus can't keep us down. GM workers are back strong and building the best there is. And we're here proud to represent the greatest products on American Road, Chevy, Buick, and GMC. And I love how so many of us in the area have remained positive, helping each other and staying the course. No matter how long this situation takes to resolve itself, please keep this in mind. Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service has been around for 50 years, and we'll be around for another 50 years. Wherever you're listening, you're always welcome here in Van Wert. At Kinsel's, it's all about clear, easy-to-understand deals, best quality pre-owned vehicles, top-of-the-line financing, and world-class service. See us online at LeeKinsel.com. Call 866-LEE-KINSEL. Better yet, stop in at 650 West Durban Road in Van Wert. Thank you for finding new roads to help us rebuild the American economy. In what's seemingly a weekly conversation, talking about coaching changes in the area, the uh, former Lima Senior Girls basketball head coach and now the uh, current boys head coach at Ada in Vince Halliday. Congratulations to you, and I mean, what a difference a couple of months makes. Well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a whirlwind. Um you know, I, I knew, obviously, I knew that this was going to be my last season at, uh, at Senior I here coaching the girls, and I really didn't have any idea what what was going to come next. I knew I wanted, to continue, wanted the opportunity to continue to coach, uh, what, what level and what role and what school, I had no idea, but I knew that I wanted to stay in Lima. I knew I wanted to continue to teach here at Lima Senior, and uh, this opportunity, you know, 15 minutes down the road opened up, and uh, I jumped at the chance. I'll be honest with you. I've gotten to do your program, I think, the last six or seven years with covering OG basketball. But every time I think of you, when I see you, I laugh because I think there's no way he's been there 14 years because you're just you, – you have such a youthful presence. And I mean that in the nicest way. Well, well thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, I teach phys ed for a living, so I think that helps keep you young. I mean, I, I like to play. I like to um, engage with the students. I like to participate in all the games we play. I like to participate – in practice, I, you know, I like to, you know, play horse with the kids and, you know, and talk trash and, and do that sort of thing. And uh, so maybe that helps with the youthfulness. So I'm, you know, I'm still active. I'm still being a part of it. And I, and I very much enjoy being around the young people. And I think when you're around young people, that in itself keeps you going. How many of those games do you legitimately win? What's that? The horse? When you play with the kids. Oh, most of them. I'm, 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 you're not going to outshoot me very often. You know what I mean? Because because the, the art of the mid mid range jump shot, these kids don't have that. So I can I can stay at 15 to 17 feet all day and make shot after shot after shot, and they're not going to do that. They, you know, their strength is going to try to you know pull me out to 22, 23 feet, but I can make or for those or 40 feet. Those right that that you know that they're not going to make five in a row, and that's. That's my advantage. So, yeah, I'm not losing a whole lot of games. I can tell you that. It's funny you bring that up because I think every broadcaster ever that is older than 20 
talks about that on their games all the time. And I, I could do, I think, a coach's roundtable and just have just a podcast on that exact thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it, the, the game of basketball so much, and even how I coach, I mean, it's layups first. Go get a layup. Go get a layup. And if we can't get a layup, let's, you know, let's get a catch and shoot three. I mean, that's, you know, that's the analytics of it all. And, and uh, that's the way that the game is developed into. And certainly that's the style of basketball that you want to coach because those are, you know, you're going to score your most points right around, right around the basket. And generally speaking, on catches threes, the percentage goes up. So uh, that's what we strive to do. And uh, that mid-range area is, is just kind of gone by the wayside. Well, and you've had so much talent at Lima Senior in the last 14 years. I mean, I said when she was a freshman, I remember watching Nakai Sigmund and just thinking, uh, people who get to be around this young lady and, and her development was fantastic, but that she was going to be a big-time player. And, I mean, did that make the last four years a little easier for you of you know you're going to have a point guard who was a true leader on the court? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, in my relationship with Nakai, it starts back when she was like, four years old you know what I mean she was her mom has been on my staff the whole time and you know I knew her as a, as a three four year old she was my ball girl and I mean so that relationship is very deep she just lives right down the street from me um so obviously you know I was waiting for her to get here when she was when she did get here it's okay hand her the ball she's my point guard and off we go and um unfortunately you know um the senior year here she we dealt with some injuries with her and injuries with you know basically my best three players. Um, so kind of got out of hand for us there, but, um, it's always wonderful to have uh, a true point guard who understands as an extension of what you want as a coach. And obviously the hope is that I can find that and or develop that while I'm out native. Well, she's probably obviously pretty happy after 14, 15 years to just get away from you then. Well, I would think that that's <laughs> not the case, but you know, I'm excited about her opportunity. Uh, down in uh, Alabama, Southern University, and um, I believe that once she gets down there and gets another set of eyes on her, uh, and um, that other opportunities will come for her to continue to play. So I'm excited for her. When you look back now at what is your last year at Lima Senior, how crazy is it to look at it and think that, I guess, one, that you were able to just even get the season in, but all the things you kind of had to go through that you didn't in your first 13 years? Well, yeah, obviously you're dealing with a, with a pandemic. Uh, it's definitely different. And obviously this year we had our ebbs and flows as far as injury goes. Then we also have to deal with, you know, quarantine. And, you know, you lose these couple girls for this two-week period and they get back. And then you lose these couple girls for this two-week period. So it's always kind of you're really uncertain of who you're going to have at practice day in and day out or chunks at a time. And, um you know, this year we had, with, along with the injuries and some quarantines, we had an opportunity to play a lot of young kids, and obviously that didn't bode well for our success. But it gave them an opportunity to really compete uh, at the highest level and, and take some licks, and hopefully they will um, kind of uh, build off of that experience, get that playing time, and then work on their game during the summer, and then and see that improvement uh, as they move forward. Over three hundred games is a long time in coaching, especially for a girls basketball coach, the way that the game has sort of moved the last handful of years. What do you take away kind of from your time at Lima senior when you look back at it, coaching girls basketball? Oh, I mean, it's, it's all positive for me. I'm not going to, I mean, I, I can have stories for days and, and of all the, a lot, a lot of the nonsense and things that you had to go through. Um, but 
it's all positive. I, I enjoyed it uh, very, very much. Obviously, there was times where it was a little fun because you're dealing with some, you know, off the court issues or you're dealing with some quote unquote girl drama. Um, but this year, in this experience, uh, especially this year, was all positive. These girls were fantastic. I had they all got along. We had absolutely no issues when it comes to that sort of thing, um, and that made it. Um, even though we were, you know, only won four games, I really enjoyed coming to the gym every day. And some of my better teams, um, you know, here at senior high, it wasn't necessarily always joy because there was some friction amongst teammates and things like that. And that makes it, uh, you know, that that's never any fun. But overall, um, I'm only going to think about the positive things. I really, I kind of grew up, you know, as a coach. And, you know, when I first got the job, you know, first, first started coaching girls 16 years ago, first two years as a JV coach. I had no idea what I was kind of getting, kind of getting into. And um, I really grew as a person, um, and I really enjoyed leading uh, these young ladies um, from you know girls into young women and then the relationships that I still have with so many former players uh, now who have reached out now that I stepped down and, um, and seeing them have kids and them becoming mothers and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's all, all positive, and now I kind of get a clean slate, and we're going to go out to Ada and uh, try to – uh, recreate um, that winning atmosphere and try to get, you know, they're on a little bit of a down cycle out there and try to speed that cycle up so we can get back to winning more basketball games than we lose. It's funny because you mentioned a thing that I swear every girl's head coach has a conversation with every boy's head coach about and about the extra drama and the sort of the things that unfortunately sometimes come along with girls' basketball. But <laughs> I guess I'll ask you this in a year. How much different or how much uh, – are you looking forward to, so to speak, just being able to coach basketball and having to maybe not play as much uh, team doctor? Yeah, and obviously, you know, there's going to be issues with boys too. Let's not kid ourselves. Oh, a sure. lot of that stuff, but a lot of that stuff is usually tied to competitiveness. You know, you, they usually can put that stuff aside. Boys can just go out and compete and put the little pettiness stuff aside. But sometimes with girls, they don't or they can't, you know, put things aside and just go play basketball and just compete. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'm laid back enough. I've been around enough. I've been, I've been teaching long enough that I can deal with the, you know, I can deal through anything. I can work through it. And, uh, you know, what craziness comes and happens in Ada, I don't know, but I'll be ready for it and I'll handle it accordingly. I, I have no concerns about that at all. Now, it's funny that you mentioned being laid back because you're the only coach that I can ever remember that someone asked me, is he really wearing sandals when you walked into a gym in the snow <laughs> getting off the bus? Yeah, I was just, uh, uh, just had that conversation a couple minutes ago with Coach Griffin. here I was senior because, you know, so obviously saw my picture last night. Yeah, you had a tie on, you had shoes on and, and socks. And, you know, of course, <laughs> when, I pull, when I pulled up to Ada last night for the board meeting, you know, I stepped out of my car in my sandals and, I put my shoes and socks on and walked into the building. And uh, Toby Smith, you know, I was going to coach football over there. You know, he's in the office. Like, well, you're not going to do that during the season. I was like, I'm absolutely going to do that during the season. I go, I'll walk in the gym with my sandals. I'll be carrying my shoes. I'll watch the entire JV game in my sandals and come around time for the fourth quarter. I'll put my shoes and socks on and walk into the locker room with four minutes on the clock and talk to the fellas. And here we go. But I go, that's, that stuff's not going to change. It's just, it's just who I am. I'm 365 days a year sandal guy. And, I walk into school every day in sandals, and I have a big wall of shoes here in my office, and uh, 
put a pair of shoes on and matches the outfit for the day, and off I go. So maybe you were perfect <laughs> to coach girls basketball. You're already accessorizing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, I teach for this head, man. Nothing else. Well, I have true. to coordinate. You know what I mean? I got. I got. I got. I have to dress the part. So. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I always uh, bring that up to people like, any time I've ever done live a senior game. Of What you didn't see is that he did walk in in sandals, and it's like 12 degrees outside. But what I didn't tell people was, I think if my wife would let me get away with it, I would probably be the same way. Sure. Yeah, I just, it's, it's just it's, for me, it's just totally a comfort thing. I'm so, I'm so comfortable in sandals, you know, and they're like, aren't your feet cold? It's like, my feet don't really get that cold, and right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hanging out outside. I mean, the car's got heat. The bus has got heat. Hopefully, I can walk a couple hundred. The bus has heat. Well, sometimes it's a little bit questionable, but I. But you know, we are traveling kings here at Lima Senior, so I always, I always take a blanket with me, so things are, you know, a little haywire with the bus heat. I can just wrap those around my feet, and we'll be good to go. So, um, but yeah, it's not. I mean, if, I, if I'm outside shoveling snow or something, then you know, I have boots for that. I'm not. You know, I'm not that dumb, but just to walk from my car into a building, I can handle. So. See, I, I hate being an adult that I have to wear shoes and try to dress up to, you know, go call basketball. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I understand that totally. Um, <clears throat> so this opportunity comes up at Ada. How do you decide I'm going to make that switch? And there are a lot of coaches in the area who have been able to do it of going from uh, one side to the other. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, before I got into coaching girls, uh, you know, I coached boys at the junior high level for six years. And so, I'm, I'm, you know, in the game of basketball, it's game basketball. Like, you know, my approach, my commitment to the game, my love of the game, none of that stuff is going to change. It's just, you know, how you communicate is going to be different. Um, if you'd have told me that I was going to coach girls for 16 years, you know, 20 years ago, I'd probably have been like, oh, no way. But you make those adjustments. Um and I think now uh, I'm, I've grown up enough that, you know, I think I'm probably, honestly, probably better suited to coach boys. I think I could be more me. You, you don't have to, you know, nothing else. You don't have to announce yourself every time you're coming into a locker room. You know what I mean? And I think that basketball is basketball. Obviously, boys basketball is going to be a little bit more athletic, which is fine. But the structure, the style of play, you know, the game itself is the game itself. And, you know, we're going to try to do things the right way. We're going to try to space the floor. We're going to try to get guys going to the rim and we're going to try to knock out open jump shots. And that's, that's not going to change for boys to girls. And, you know, what ultimately we can do will be based, you know, clearly on our, on our personnel. You've watched enough of my games to know that we're not the same team every single year because I don't have the same players. So I'm going to make the adjustments that we need to make so that we can try to compete every single night. Speaking of players, have you gotten a chance to talk to any of the kids that you'll have back for next year yet? At Ada, no, I have not. Actually, I'm meeting them uh, tomorrow. On Wednesday, uh, we have a meeting set up. I'll go out there and meet them then. And then uh, they've been go- the, the, the guys have been doing open gyms in the morning for the last few weeks. And then I'll be there uh, Thursday morning uh, for the first open gym kind of in, in, with them that way. So obviously, I just got board approved last night. And go meet the guys now I, i'm aware of some of the talent that's back i know we have one starter uh that's back i know i've had a nice conversation with john cook uh the other night about kind of what we have and um there's there's some guys in that sophomore class the sixth man the seventh man uh, for the varsity team last year there was a, a young man on the, on the jv team as a sophomore average 16 17 points a game so everyone um the consensus seems to be that those are the four guys that we, that we need to build around but, you know, for me and for them, 
it's a clean slate. And obviously the guys who come in and put in work and put in the time in the gym, those are going to be the guys that play. So they're all going to have to prove themselves to me and I'm going to prove myself to them. And I think that uh, I have no doubt that we'll all get along and we'll put the best product we can out there for them and for us. Well, and that's because that's kind of what I was going to ask was your, uh, the current junior class who will be your senior class next year, uh, how maybe you might approach talking to them in that you'll be the third different coach that they've had in their tenure there and just kind of Dre is different than you are. And of course, John is different than you are and they're different than each other in kind of how they handle things and how you uh, really, how you offensive defensively strategize and kind of a lot of change for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, and that's, and that's tough for them. And I'm sure that we will have those conversations, but the thing for me in the message will be saying is that I'm not going anywhere. This isn't a one year job for me. I have, 12 to 14 years left before I can retire as a teacher. And my objective is to coach boys basketball at Ada for 12 to 14 years. This is going to be my last job coaching basketball before I retire. And I think with Toby and myself, both being in the similar time frames, you know, that Ada is getting two veteran guys who are going to be going to provide stability. Now, obviously the older guys aren't going to experience that. And, um, you know, but, I want them to know that I'm in this for the long haul and they can be the start for me. You know what I mean? They can set the example for the younger guys uh, and be that, that first class that kind of graduates with me. And then um, we'll build it, build up from the younger ages. So I know it's been tough for them, but I'm, I'm going to provide the stability that I plan to be there for a long time. Well, I can tell you that I believe that you're going to have a, a terrific career I've always enjoyed our interactions. I'm looking forward to being able to call your games. Now call boys basketball, and I wish you the best of luck in every game that you don't play Spencerville. <laughs> Fair enough, but I think I think the square off of Spencerville uh, at least one, at least at least at least once a year, and uh, I will enjoy seeing you when that happens. But I, I appreciate the, the time to talk uh, Ada basketball, and uh, any any time you need me, I'm, I'm always free to hop on. I, I I, I enjoy the conversation, and I'll do anything I can to uh, to show some love and support to the Bulldogs. That's always been my one joke of uh, everybody's like, why Spencerville? I'm like, well, that's my alma mater. If you could at least, you know, at least yeah. let that go for a while. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, you know, we, we, we only won three games last year, and, I, and I'm not sure if that was one of them or not. We had seven games uh, with ten points or less. Uh, so hopefully – Starting really soon, we change the narrative of that. We st- we started picking up some of these wins, and if Spencerville happens to be one of them, I'm absolutely going to take it. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> all right, that's fine. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I've enjoyed this conversation and all of our conversations. Absolutely, thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. You take care now. You too. Talk about Ada basketball with the new head coach and Vince Halliday here on Around the Hearn. It's time for Skillet to rock the drive-in theater tour with special guests Jordan Feliz and Colton Dixon. Live and in person for a night of energy and excitement unlike any other. June 24th in Middlepoint at Vandell Drive-In. Bring up to six people per car with your blankets and lawn chairs to enjoy a night of live music and fun. The Drive-In Theater Tour with Skillet, Jordan Feliz, and Colton Dixon. Tickets available now at driveintheatertour.com. Another awakening event from the Awakening Foundation. For a handful of months on this show during the uh, coronavirus at its height last year, I asked every single coach what books they were reading, and I decided I should probably start reading books myself. And I came across a book. It's called The King. 
And I'm lucky enough to have the uh, writer of the book and Mindy Dreher, who's pretty connected to this story on this show. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this book. You are so welcome. And thank you for reading it. It's hard for it to get me to read a full book. I, I get distracted and a lot of things going on, new baby and all that. But I really thoroughly read through this book. Uh, some passages I had to read a handful of times, but I really enjoyed it. I had seen part of the story in person with Coach Cordercrax and the, the amount of respect that everyone had for him. But it was neat to see kind of some of the background of that. Can I ask you something? Since you <laughs> sure. were so involved, what was your favorite part of the book? Since you lived so much of it, you know, in real life, and then you got to read it, and I'm sure there were parts that you were not familiar with, either with his personal life or his children, family life, something like that. What was your favorite part? I'm just curious as a writer. I liked the parts about where it talked about Colorado, for instance, and how he and his wife came together and how they were together for so long. I'm kind of a hopeless romantic that way in that just kind of it, it paints him in a different light. I mean, anybody who's ever met the man knows what his family means to him, but just kind of to read that and, and in a way kind of see it from his view of, yes, basketball is – a huge, huge portion of my life, but at any point, if it comes to push or shove, that's going to take a backseat to anything family-related. I'm so glad you said that, because when when Dick read the book for the first time, and throughout the time when I was writing it, I would call him up over the phone, and I would you know read certain things to him, because first of all, I had to make sure that the facts were right, you know, that everything happened the way that I was told it happened. And I had to double check, obviously, with Dick. But then when it came together and he actually got to hold the book in his hands and he got to read it, he was so touched that it wasn't just about basketball because he is so much more than just a basketball coach, a legendary basketball coach. You know, his family is a number one to him. And he was so glad that this book really, it is more like a love story. You know, it, it does talk about his kids and his wife and how the community and everything that all of that together meant to him as he coached all those years. A couple of the things that made me laugh specifically, there's a passage in there where uh, Rick talks about, and it's a common theme throughout the book, of we versus I and about his tenure, especially at Collider the last 20 years of, he didn't believe in the individual over the team. And the passage about how one of the kids didn't even find out he was a thousand-point scorer until his graduation. One of the first times that I ever did a Kaleida game, I think about five years before his last year, I didn't know. Nobody told me. And I think it was kind of an in-joke about I had emailed him. I had reached out to, to him and the AD about stats. For the game, and I was talking to Rick, and I said, "You know, I, I didn't get any stats or whatever." And he just looks at me. We're on the court in Collider, which is now named after him, and he just looks at me and just starts laughing. And I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. And he just goes, "You'd be the first. Dad's probably not going to send that out. I'll get him to you at the end of the season." Well, wait a second. That's not going to help me in December. Can you believe that to happen? And that is so true. When when we wrote that part of the in the book about the young man not knowing that he 
scored more than a thousand points. He found out on his graduation when Dick handed him a game ball that said, you know, his total number of points. But my husband, Dick's son, Randy Cordacrax, coaches now here in Columbus at Bishop Hartley High School. And in fact, we were together at a restaurant after one of his games, a Hartley game just this past season when the book came out. And the assistant coaches were like, no way. You could never, ever get away with that today because with social media and everything, individual players, their parents and their coaches, even like their training coaches, they all count. They all know how many points it's going to take to reach that, that 1,000 points. You, you could never get away with that today. And honestly, that's sad because it is so today's basketball world in high school is so individualized. And really, it is a team sport. It shouldn't be so individualized. So if you ask me, Dick Quartercracks got it right years ago. Well, it's crazy because you, obviously, that was coming from a coach's wife because any coach I have a conversation with, we have the exact same conversation. And it's about sort of the AAUization of what high school basketball is now. And, well, you know, if I don't get 20 points a game, then ex-coach won't see me. Well, Okay, but at some point he's going to ask your coach if you're a team player, and that's going to probably mean more to him bringing in a good person than it is a 20-point score. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of people have felt, and I know my husband has said this before, AAU is it's really kind of hurt high school ball because high school basketball is really more about fundamentals, and it is more about team ball. Um, or AAU, it is all one-on-one, individualized, look at me, look what I can do, look at all the points I can score, look at the rebounds I can get. You Don't look at my assists, because that doesn't really matter in AAU. You know, and that's an unfortunate thing, because when you get to college, you better be a team player. Well, and that's the, I always call it the Kentucky effect, why Kentucky struggles sometimes early in the season, why they need those trips in the summer, and it showed this year of, yeah, that's great. You were an All-American. You averaged 32 points a game, broke every school record. But so do the other five guys that we brought in. Right. 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 And when you have a team that's based on all that individualism, you know what? Everybody's want to, they want to get theirs. And then the jealousy comes out and everything. So, yeah, imagine Dick Quartercracks not wanting to give out stats. You could never, could never get away with that today. You just couldn't because... That's what people are so invested in, their own individual stats, how you compare to other basketball players your age or, you know, in high school as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And, and it's, it's kind of sad, really, that it's went so much that way. I was also trying to picture him, and I've met him a number of times, that towards the end, he was in his 70s and in mid-70s of him using the iPad and trying to score those games, like, as that goes along. It amused me, just the thought of it. Yeah, he's old school. I mean, that's just that's just not gonna that's not gonna fly with him. It's just not it's not who he is, and it's not who he's always been and had always been all those years. You know, Randy would always tell me that you know his dad watched more game film than anyone that he had ever heard of. You know, because he was a he. As much of an educator and a teacher and a coach that he was, he was a constant student, too, because he was always learning from other coaches and watching film from so many different games. 
So as much as he taught the game, he also taught himself from other people. He's one of my favorite people because he's the only person I've ever seen as a head coach get this amount of respect. I, I did a game at Kaleida, his second or third year from the end, I can't remember, and he got up during a timeout, and uh, Rick walked into the huddle and was telling the kids something. He got up, walked halfway across the court, and nearly into the other team's huddle and just sort of stood there like, uh-huh. And I remember one of the officials turning around and then seeing Rick's face of, should I just should I go get him? Like, should I bring him back, or do we just wait and see how this plays out? And I don't think anybody else gets the respect of getting away with that. Oh, and I think a lot of that was, I think that, I think Dick was probably, well, I don't think there's probably about it. I think Dick was an intimidating factor. And I think for you as a reporter too, I'm sure the first time you ever had to go and interview him or talk to him, it had to be a little intimidating because he was the king. And do you remember the first time you ever got to meet him? I do. Um, It was at Kaleida and I was getting ready to broadcast the game. And all I could think of was, don't say something stupid, and well, is somebody going to end up playing the recording of this game for him, and he's just immediately going to go, well, that kid doesn't know anything about basketball. So I was, try- <laughs> I was trying to make sure I didn't say something ultra stupid. Aww. But I do. I, I just think that he had that intimidating factor about him. But then that's what's so cool about this book because you see such an entirely different side of him. You know, in talking to him today, he can't go to enough of his grandkids' games or can't be around the family enough these days because that is by far what's most important to him. And um, and he's just glad that he was able to, to have a lot of his family around for all those games. And his wife, Donna, by his side, through, really through it all. And he would never, ever, ever trade a thing. And he, and he said that in his very final um, news conference when he was basically announcing his retirement. And he had told everybody he would do it all over again. And honestly, he really means that. There's just no doubt about it. He loved it. He loved all the coaches he was with. He loved all the players that he played and that he got to coach all those different years. But more than anything, he really loved that community. And, and he credits not just himself for all those wins, but he credits everybody that was part of it. You know, I read that chapter at the end about that, and I was actually there that day for that press conference, and I have the recording of it, and I was thinking about it a while back. I had joked with someone about uh, how he was asked three questions. He gave his statement, They uh, and Carl Lammers read some stuff, and the book talks about it, but... I remember specifically Jim DeVoe from Alignment News asked him a question, and I just happened to look down at my watch and see the time, and then see the time where he stopped answering the question, and it was 18 (laughs) full minutes. He answered three questions in 53 minutes, and I'm just sitting there laughing because they're amazing stories that he was telling because he'd go off on a tangent about something, but all these reporters who have deadlines and stuff are like big mad because, you know, oh, Oh, yeah, you know, well, first of all, how did you think this was going to go? And second, I got more 
from an entertainment standpoint and knowing more about Dick from those 50 minutes of three questions than anything else I possibly could have asked and been answered right away. Well, let me tell you something. That is a quarter crack straight. There's no doubt about it. They, they are talkers. There's just no way around it. But everything that they say, um, it just kind of resonates with you. And you got to remember, I mean, you were there. How cool that you were there. But that was it for him. So he, he was not going to hold back. And he was going to tell everybody exactly how he felt answering those three questions. And he did exactly like that. He did exactly that. It was neat, too, because I remember the people that were in the room. There were about 50 people or so in that room. And I remember that he knew everybody's name and every single person. He thanked them by their name. Oh, that, yeah. You know what I saw? Because a lot of it, you know, I remember driving. I was driving my daughter to a softball tournament. And they had, like, a live feed where we could actually listen to it while we were in the car driving. You know, you could just, you could play it. And I remember thinking it was just, it had to have been so emotional. Because when he did thank everybody... He really, that came from the heart. There's just, that's just who he, that's just who he is. I, I have always enjoyed my interactions and I had only met him to where we had a conversation probably a handful of times at that point. But when I shook his hand to say thank you for everything, he looked me in the face and called me Michael. And for me, like I, I I was blown away because I had only done so many of his game, his collided teams games at that point. And just to me, it was like, okay. That right there, I'll go to bat for this dude. That tells me everything I need to know about him. You know, I used to um, talk on a regular basis with Coach Tressel when he was down here in Columbus, and he would let me cover his players doing Buckeye bios and everything. And he, a long time ago, he told me that number one compliment you can give somebody is their name because it really, truly means that you remember, especially someone like coaches who deal with so many different people, so yeah, for him to remember Michael, you know, that, that, that meant something to you, I'm sure. And, and even now, you know, these several years later where he's no longer coaching, his mind is just as good. It is just as good as if he was still coaching. Now he'll tell you, oh, I don't remember things like I used to, but you could sit down, Michael, and have a wonderful conversation with him and he will remember so much of it. And his mind is as sharp as a tack, even today. And I love that about him. I remembered, uh, I believe it was 2019, it would be the last actual baseball season that we had in Ohio of uh, when he was having his good days. I would be sitting at the ballpark at Holy Name calling the game, and I'd look over, and I'd see this tall, older man walk by, and I'm like, wait a second, was that? Did Dick just walk by? Like, he's just out walking around the ballpark, stops in, catches a couple innings. You'd see him three or four innings walk back the other way. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, no, he does this every day. Like, he's he's just out for a walk, just comes in, takes some baseball in, takes some softball in, goes home. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, we live down in Columbus, and he ha- there's never been a season where he didn't come down to watch my son and daughter play, you know, a game or two, because they, they both played basketball, and then my son played baseball, and my daughter plays softball. She's a senior now, and my son graduated last year. And it always was extra special when Grandpa Quartercracks came to one of their games and he made sure every single season from their freshman year that he would make a game or two or of each of them. 
because it means something. You know, you you're it's it's Coach Quarterback, but to them, it's Grandpa, and then they loved having him there. Well, it's worked out pretty well for your daughter, Cami. She's I just yeah. saw on your Twitter the other day that uh, named one of the best players in softball in the entire country and headed pretty close to home. I mean, that's obviously great for mom because it's close to home, but it's a huge opportunity for her. It is. You know, we always wanted her to be a Buckeye. She obviously looked at different Big Ten schools and some Mac schools and um, looked at Kentucky a little bit ago, but uh, I think it's great that she gets to play at Ohio State. And, you know, it's just a different level. We'll see We'll see what the future holds. But um, we're excited for her, and it's, it's been fun to watch her. And then my son, who's a year older, he took a gap year, but he was committed to Ottervine to pitch and to go to school there. And he was going to be engineering, but now I think he's switched it over to econ. But he had to call the coaches and see if he could do a gap year and see if they could, you know, just wait a year. Because with COVID, he didn't want to start college in COVID. It was just not not a good way to, to start your college years. So at first I was kind of leery of it because I've always heard if you don't go, you know, if you if you skip a year, chances are you won't go. Um, and he's, he's going. He's signed up. He's ready to go. The coaches said, yep, we'll take you on. So how lucky is that for us? We'll get to both our kids will be right here, you know, 20 minutes to five minutes away getting to watch them play baseball and softball in college. That's pretty cool. Well, I've been on a gap year for a while, and it doesn't appear that there are many colleges who are looking for a 38-year-old guy with about a 50-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball. So I'm glad he Darn was able it, right? to do that, right? <laughs> right. If you're looking for a guy to come in and just throw junk, I could probably do that. It's just not going to hey, work, you know? junk works. Sometimes junk's harder to hit than the. 90-mile-per-hour fastball. I, I had a game like that yesterday where a team did exactly that. They ended up winning because of it. But it's all about strategy. It is. And I tell you what, sometimes when you're, when you're so used to, like my daughter at this level, that she plays on this travel team that's based out of Chicago called the Bandits. And, you know, when you're so used to seeing fastball, 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 and then some of these girls, they can bring it. And then you go to high school and you see about half that speed. It's kind of tough. It's tough to uh, to get your timing straight because, you know, if you're going to be a successful hitter, it really is all about timing. And when you're used to bang, 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 I, I bang. I not know anything about that. No? No. Just wasn't very good at it. I always say my claim to fame is getting struck out in high school by Chad Billingsley. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. You got that. You got that right. going for you. You got to start somewhere. Right. So this book is actually your second book, right? The King was my second book, yes. I wrote, my first book was called Gilo. Um, big, big, big dog lover I am. And Gilo was my very first German Shepherd, very first dog that I owned, just me. You know, you have dogs growing up. But it was actually when I moved to Lima to start working at WLIO, I didn't want to uh, move alone. I wanted a roommate. And so my roommate was my dog, Gilo. And it was such, such a love affair. You know, if, if anyone listening is a, is a dog person. They understand what I'm talking about because there are those people who get it. And there are those people who, when a dog dies or when your pet dies, they're like, what do you mean? It's just a dog. And it just a dog does not, does not work in my life. That's just not the way it goes. Because to me, your dogs are just like family. And Gila was really my everything. You know, that was before I met Randy, before I got married, had kids and it was just a big chunk of my life, and it was very reminiscent of my days at WLIO. 
when I lived in Crydersville and worked in Lima. And, and that's a that's a very important part of my life. And that region of Ohio will always be very special to me. Always. I totally get that. Uh, when my father-in-law got sick and passed away, we took in his blind and deaf pug. So <laughs> I totally... I totally get the the dog analogy about about that, and I don't have a lot of friends that are uh, are not animal people of like the highest regard. Well, look where you live. You you live in the area where it's the salt of the earth people, and they get it. You know, and I, that's that's what I mean. I love I love Northwest Ohio. Well, in a lot of uh, Putnam County, I actually be there tomorrow, so it works out perfectly. Oh, that's awesome! Um, you tell everybody I said hi. I will. I hope. I hope that they all uh, enjoy this, and they all rush out and get that book and this book and uh, the new book. What's the new book called? So the new book is called Dear Mom. And when I was writing about my father-in-law, Dick Cordacrax, you know, a lot of people back home were like, "That is so awesome. That is so neat that you write this book while Dick is still alive, where he can enjoy it." Because so many times, books like this are written after someone passes. And I didn't want to do that. How fun is that? You want you want people who the book is about to be able to appreciate it. And you know what? He has had a wonderful time signing all these books for former players or for just fans of Kaleida basketball or for community members or family, just friends. He has signed so many books. And the Cordacrax doesn't just sign his name. He writes almost a book inside the book, The King. You know how he is. He's charged very, twice very for that. Oh, no, no, he would never allow that. No, we, we probably could have, but no. Just don't tell so him. Then when, yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. I should have thought of that months ago. Well, we can put the so proceeds I, wherever you want. We can put it towards an animal shelter or something. <laughs> I mean. I did that. I do that with Gylo. Well, there you go. Anytime someone writes Gylo, partial proceeds do go to um, animal shelters because I'm a big supporter of that. Well, so then when I, and I wrote The King about the quarter cracks, everyone's like, why don't you write about your mom? Her story is incredible. She's 90 years old. And Randy and I always say, how lucky are we to still have two parents, my mom and his dad, that are elderly like that. And their minds are still so sharp. And their bodies, for the most part, they're making it. Now, my mom's a six-time cancer survivor. And at 89 years old, she had her arm amputated. And when I was a freshman in high school, my brother was killed. And she lost a baby sister, you know, years and years and years ago. And there's been so much adversity in her life. You know, I talk about the adversity that Dick Hortacrax went through. My mom faced so much personal adversity as well. But if you would meet her and if you would talk to her, you'd never know it. You'd think her life was on a silver platter because she's the most positive, upbeat, funny, inspirational person. And so I thought, you know what? Everybody's right. I do need to write about her. So it is called Dear Mom. And then... I begin every chapter with a letter to her, dear mom, something, something about my childhood or her childhood or our lives together in general um, and everything that she went through. And then I wanted to include other people. So you'll have so many familiar faces from across Ohio. Um, For example, Karen Kasich, the former first lady, she writes about raising her twins in those awkward teenage years. Not only did they have that awkwardness, but they had to be the first daughters for eight years. So some of the secrets that people never really knew about, she talks about in this book. Um, One of the most meaningful, one of the most meaningful passages 
there was an Ohio State student named Reagan Tokes who was kidnapped, raped, and murdered about five, five and a half years ago. And I reached out to her mom to see if she wanted to write something about it. And it is such a strong passage because Lisa Tokes is the mom of Reagan. She's writing this passage on what would have been Reagan's 26th birthday. And she's writing this as she's walking on the beach because that was such a special moment between Lisa and Reagan every year. They would go to the beach together. So it's such a powerful passage. She's looking for a sign from Reagan because Reagan somehow always sent signs to her mom that the work she's doing in her honor and in her name is the right thing to do. If it's changing litigation, if it's changing different laws to, to make it tougher on crime, that's what Lisa's going to continue to do. You know, I, I talked to Jack Hanna's wife and daughter. They wrote a passage about what it was like to grow up in that house. Not only <laughs> the Hannas raising the three daughters, but they would bring wild animals from the zoo into their home. And there was one story in particular that she talks about in the book where Julie, Hannah, the daughter, one of the daughters, talks about how Susie Hannah was bringing this white tiger to be on Good Morning America. And so this white tiger is actually on the airplane, on the seat. And she's sitting next to this man, and this man's like, my wife is never going to believe that I sat next to a white tiger. So what did Jackie and his wife, Susie, do? But gave him the airline ticket, which said, seat 7B, white tiger. So there's so many neat stories like that from from so many different people that are associated, you know, bigger name people in the state of Ohio. I wanted them to contribute and just to talk about what it's been like for them to be a mom or to be a child and about their parents. So it's been it was very, very rewarding to write that. People who might not be aware, uh, you are a very busy person. You've got your own show and in between books and the family, when do you sleep? I don't. I stay up at night. Just my mind just turns and turns and turns because I want to, you know, even right now with your mom, so many people are trying to get this for Mother's Day. And I don't want them to spend all this money on Amazon. I'm not an Amazon fan. And so I am working my rear off to try to send these out individually. And I learned from Dick Cracks that I have to write personalized messages <laughs> On each, but no, I don't write nearly as long as Dick did. But I want to say just a little something special to anyone who buys this book, too. So, um, no, I'm not sleeping much right now because I'm really trying to get as many of these books out because the people who have already read it, Michael, they tell me, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you read that, you wrote that because it reminds me of my childhood or it reminds me of my mom or my grandma. And it just brings back so many memories to them. And for them, that it's um, it's a gift because I I I wasn't sure I was going to write it, especially so soon after the King, because the King was released, you know, around Christmas time, and here it is, May, and this is already out again. So it was a quick turnaround, but very very worthwhile. I'm so so glad that I got this out for all the moms out there and all the daughters and sons, and it, and even if you don't have children, you know what I talk about being a dog mom because we we talk about. There are so many people who aren't able to have children, but they still have that nurturing bone in their body. And so they, they become moms to other things. And it's it's just a satisfying, really. I would really like for people to be able to get these books and get them into their hands and read them. I'm looking forward to reading this one as well at some point. Uh, where do people find these books? 
So I'm all over different social media. You can look up Mindy Dreyer on Facebook. There's Mindy Dreyer personality page and then a private page as well. And then, of course, it's on Instagram and Twitter. I'm there too. And it is on Amazon. But um, send me an email or reach out to me, direct message me. My email is minran, standing for Mindy and Randy. Isn't that cute? Isn't that cute, Michael? <laughs> it's like Min, it's the 1990s. You guys just get together and figure that out? Yeah, exactly. Minran54, that was Randy's old basketball number, minran54 at yahoo.com. It's super simple. And I, and even if you don't get it by Mother's Day, you know what? There's birthdays and still your mom and grandma doesn't stop on Mother's Day. The giving should always continue for moms. Yeah, I always thought that was weird. You don't need just one day a year. Right, exactly. And, you know, you being a relatively new dad, your wife would love this. And it it is so perfect for those new parents because it kind of gives you a heads up on what to expect. You know, one chapter is devoted to sports moms. Um, and we heard from Katie Smith, you know, three-time Olympic gold medalist. You know, she talks about what her mom went through watching all these basketball games because as Katie was growing up, she didn't realize what all her mom was going through. But there was one thing in particular that her mom would experience at every single basketball game that Katie played. And also some things that fans around Katie's mom would say. You know, she wrote that in the book. And then C. Grant, one of my all-time favorite Ohio State football players, his mom is deceased. And he wrote a letter to his mom and put it in the book for me. So it's, it's all, you don't have to be a mom. You don't have to be a daughter. Just if, if you have a heart, this book is perfect for you. I don't think I could ever sell anything more beautifully with words than that. I've been trying for a year and a half on this show, and I've never sold anything like that. Oh, but I, it's so true. I feel it like you've so done this before. That. Well, I just mean, I'm just passionate about it because I give so many people credit who who wrote those stories for Dear Mom. And a lot of them, people won't, they won't recognize the names because they're just individual, everyday people. Because I put that out there on social media. If you want to include a story, of your mom or you as a mom, by all means, feel free to. And so these are all definitely from the heart and, and they want their stories heard and told. And so I just hope that as many people get this book as possible because they're definitely worth reading. Anyone who knows me or has ever listened to this podcast knows that it, there's a good chance that I'm crying recording this segment, having lost my own mom last year and just kind of thinking about different things. But I, I was thinking about things that make me laugh about her, but I, Cannot say thank you enough for uh, coming on and doing this. I never plan these interviews out other than one specific thing, and I'm always happy when they go very, very right, and I feel like this did. Let me tell you something. Being in this business for as long as I've been in this business, you are doing it the exact right way. You know, so many times people say, well, what are you going to ask me? And I would say, I I don't know, because it depends on how the conversation goes. When you plan things out, it never goes as planned right? It's never supposed to go as planned. Um, so you just go off the cuff and that is what a true professional in this business is. So Michael, you're doing an outstanding job and you're, you're just succeeding and you should be so proud of what you've accomplished so far. Thank you. I, uh, I feel the same way about covering kids in high school sports that you do about telling these stories. And, and I'm glad that I'm able to connect those two worlds and talking about the King specifically and about these books. And I would love to have you on anytime. 
Well, I appreciate that. You feel free to call whenever you want. I love to talk. I'm kind of, you know, I've got that quarter cracks in me as well. Um, but especially if it's something meaningful. And and I was so, I guess the two most important things, obviously I wrote Gilo after Gilo passed away. But I always knew that I would write that book. I always thought my very first book I'm going to write is going to be about my love of my German Shepherd. But then to be able to give Dick and my mom these books while they're still around, that is the ultimate gift. And because if our parents aren't our heroes, then something's wrong with us. It's true. Uh, I, again, I thank you so much for doing this. Michael, thank you. And you call anytime and say hi to Putnam County and everybody up there for me. Oh, oh they'll, they'll know I'm coming. They always find me. Okay, well, good. They should. You can follow her on Twitter. That's my preferred medium, at mdreyer. Get the books. We talked about it. Listen to it. Go read it. And thank you so much for uh, tuning in to this episode. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep-fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062, and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. Big, big thank you to Vince Halliday and to Mitty Dreher for coming on and talking about everything Ada basketball, about Lima Cedar basketball, and about the uh, King as well as the new book and just a little bit of everything in between. I hope you enjoyed it. To everyone who has come on the show, who's listened to the show, said nice things. I said mean things. I don't care. You can tweet me at Michael Hearn PVP. I'm a pretty open book. But happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and, uh, thinking about the new mom in my life as well as the uh, moms that are not here. I hope that you have a terrific Mother's Day. Have a great night, even better tomorrow, and I'll talk to you back later in the week. We'll talk more about everything going on in the world of sports in Northwest Ohio. Here I go. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.